Hello once again from the Grief Observed podcast. I am Brad Morell, your host. And if you want to be on the podcast to tell your story of grief, please send me an email at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. I'll have the email in the show description uh, in case you miss it. Um, my guest today is Christy. She is a therapist and a friend of mine. It's it's kind of funny. We were talking before we hit record. I've known her for two or three years at this point, and uh, we've spoken on the phone several times. This is the first time I get to see her face, and uh, we still never have met in person, but um, we, we speak uh, every once in a while about uh, business or um, just sending each other business, so... Um, I'm glad to bring her on today. So she's she's here to speak a little bit about loss in her life and uh, how she helps others with that as well. So Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brad. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to glad to see you live for once. I've seen your yeah. pictures, and, and again, you know, we've just never met in person, uh, but. This I is have life. faith it'll happen one day. Yeah, yeah, it, it will. It's so funny how, I guess, life is, uh, you know, the COVID years really put us in this virtual world. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of hard to remove ourselves from it. But it is convenient, right. you know. It's, uh, I, I've, you know, as I was telling you, I've interviewed people, you know, in Canada and in Holland. And it would be a hard trip for them to come over here to my... Uh, studio we'll call it <laughs> that, right. uh, to to do these interviews so the virtual right. world is is certainly important uh in business and and even in telehealth you know i've yes. i've got uh several clients that i see specifically through telehealth that uh, mm -hmm. they're they're not very close to me they're still in tennessee um since that's the only state i can counsel in currently Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's, it has its convenience. So it does, it does. I, I, you know, I wasn't really sure how we were going to make that transition and what that was going to be like. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, you know, there for a while, it was the only way we could counsel and it was mm -hmm. so weird. And of course, uh, you know, having a nice shirt and then, you know, pajama bottoms for most <laughs> people nice. in counseling, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. It is what it is. But uh, yeah. anyway, I, I appreciate you being on here with me. I know we've been planning this for a little little over a month and uh, mm -hmm. just just glad we get the opportunity to to do this and talk about grief. So yeah, me too. So why don't you tell everyone first a little bit about who you are and, and what you do? Yeah. Okay. So I'm Christy Hensley. And um, as you said, I'm a counselor as well. I'm married, have two grown sons. I'm actually divorced too. So I know that um, you share that story and that's part of my grief story. But, um, you know, I grew up in Tennessee, moved away to Florida for 25 years and came back in 2018. So I've been here back home. This is not where I grew up. I grew up in Morristown, but um, in the Tri-Cities area now. And just trying to really, you know, coming here and then having the pandemic hit was really kind of an adjustment. And that was part of grief too, you know, like leaving my sons are grown. So they're still in Florida, leaving my sons, leaving my church home for 17 years and having to kind of start over at this stage of life during this pandemic. It's been, you know, been kind of challenging. So 
there's there, that's part of the grief that I've experienced too. You know, a lot of times people don't think of grief associated with just loss in general. They think it has to be a person, but there are so many other things that factor into compound a grief, you know? So, yeah, I, I think during COVID, uh, we we all lost something during yeah, that sorry. time period. Oh my gosh, yes. And still, you know, I think we're still, I read the other day that uh, I can't remember where it was, but it was like we, we during the pandemic, we've lost about a third on average of our connections and we really still haven't as reestablished those. Well, and I, I see that like in our churches too. Um, you know, during COVID, it's like, okay, we first had to, separate rows and wear masks and then it was like people would just okay it's more convenient and safer to watch this from home and then i think a lot of those people just got comfortable doing that and have never returned to church too so it's uh, sad it's so it, sad it is it is and of course i think in the digital world we've lost a lot of connections anyway i always say mm -hmm. The more connected we are, and I put that in quotations, the the more disconnected we are in this world. And then right. COVID just put a hammer down on all of us. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know that things will ever go back to anywhere close to being the same. So you're right. Yeah, grief, grief comes in many, many forms. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the physical loss aspect, though. So... Mm -hmm. I know you've gone through a few losses in your life, a couple that mm -hmm. are very meaningful to you. Um, yes. Who who all have you lost in life? So I lost my mom and my dad. And mom passed in 2017, the day after her birthday. Wow. And around Christmas time. And that, you know, kind of compounds that as well. And then dad died um, June of 22. Mm. So a little over a year. And, um, you know, the, the finality of losing both your parents, I don't, I'm not sure what your loss story is, but, um, the, the finality of losing both your parents is just such a profound thing to experience. Uh, I, I remember thinking I'm, an, I'm basically an orphan, you know, and mm -hmm. you just feel that when I, when I lost my mom, like my mom and I were very close when I lost her, I felt a, a profound, deep like realization that the human being that helped bring give me life and bring me into this world, I'm now completely severed as far as the tangible, the human um, from her. Mm -hmm. That was very, very impactful. But yeah. when you, and I know you, you have some people on here that have lost someone to Alzheimer's. She had Alzheimer's. And when you lose someone incrementally like that, you know, you know, you know, it's coming and the loss unfortunately it takes place over years but that finality was just gut-wrenching you know yeah and you know we've talked before on this podcast about anticipatory grief and mm -hmm. um i guess it prepares you for the the knowledge that you will be losing someone but i don't think that it actually prepares you for the loss it's it's almost mm -hmm. like you're grieving two different times in two different ways for the same individual. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not the first person to speak about the orphan piece either. Mm -hmm. um, before we get into that, though, I, I first want to take this time. I, I think it's really important that we 
honor those that, that we have lost and speak more about who they were and what their life was like. So mm. let's take some moments to do that with your mom and your dad and just tell me who they were. Jane and Judy Fox were my parents and um, mom was one of these people that just was, she had the joie de vivre. She just loved life and she experienced it to the full. And when mom describes situations, if I wasn't there, like it was so, so full of color and, and detail. And, and I would want to see that, that thing and experience it the way that she did. And I would get there and it would kind of be like, wah, wah, you know, like it just wasn't <laughs> what she described. Right. But she just had this joy of life and she was very artistic and creative and um, just loving. And it, it's funny. She, she thought I was kind of clingy with her and she thought I was never going to leave house the house. And she was kind of like, you just always wanted to be around me. I just loved her. And, um, so do you have siblings? She, I do. I have a sister in Alabama okay. and, um, I, my sister was seeing there at the end. It was like my, my sister meaning the end of like when we were in high school and moving on to college and young adulthood. Um, my sister was closer to my dad, I think. And then I was closer to my mom. Um, so, you know, there were some things and, uh, you know, I don't want to dig in a lot to the negative stuff. Not that I, I'm ashamed of it. It's just, you know, I want to focus on the positives. There were some things that we went through. And I think because of those things and the way that we interpreted them, I was closer to mom and Karen was closer to my dad. Um, but mom was just, again, just full of life, had lots of friends and our friends, they would basically, both my parents would welcome them into our family. And a lot of our friends felt like almost like their children because mm. they would parent, you know, they would love on and welcome um, our friends. So um, it was always, it was always nice to, to have that and have them feel like they could be a part of um, our home. And dad was an engineer. So he had that analytical brain that, you know, I didn't always understand because I'm more the creative right-brained slant. Um, and, um, he was a hard worker. He had lots of trauma in his childhood and that kind of played out in our, in our family of origin. And, um, you know, what was really beautiful though, Brad, is that, um, after mom passed, I was in Florida when mom passed and we ended up purchasing, I'm actually sitting in the, my parents' home. I didn't grow up in this home, but we purchased this house after my mom passed. We purchased it after we moved them into assisted living and um, we um, remodeled it. And we kept coming up here to check on mom and check on things with the house. And my husband said, where do you most feel at peace here or in Florida? And I said, no doubt you know, Tennessee, I feel more peace because Orlando's just, yeah, you know, growing by leaps and bounds. And um, even though I loved my job, I loved my church, I loved, you know, my kids, obviously, um, we just felt more at peace here. So we, when mom passed, we decided to move here and be with dad and start a ministry here and start our life here. And it was such a blessing. I never would have anticipated being able to spend those final years with dad and watch him kind of reconcile and make peace with a lot of the things that were so painful all of his life. 
And we would take him to church. And then after church, it would bring up these conversations that were so deep and rich. And I saw him kind of putting to rest these things that he had wrestled with all of his life. And what a blessing that was. So Mm. dad was, you know, again, uh, he had some trauma in his severe trauma in his childhood and and it shaped his identity. So to be a witness, a close witness to him making peace with all of that was really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So, well, you said your mom passed in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. and you said it was basically Alzheimer's mm-hmm. that, that just kind of progressed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How long did you, did your mom, I guess, deal with that? And it's one of those things where it's really subtle and you don't, in retrospect, you go, that's when it was starting. That's mm-hmm. when it hit. We just, it was so subtle. We didn't pick up, you know, you make excuses. Well, it's this or it's that, or she's tired or she's stressed or whatever. But I would say probably seven to 10 years. Wow. You know, we could go back and go, you know what? I think that was what that was. And, um, you know, we would get frustrated with her, but didn't know. But I have, unfortunately, my grandmother passed from Alzheimer's. Her sister passed from Alzheimer's. Then my mom, and now my mom's youngest brother, has developed Lodi Body's dementia, which is a form of dementia, but very, very different, more Parkinsonian kind of in nature. So, we have this in our family. And um, so it was slightly different than my grandmother's. Um, So, you know, I think each person is kind of looks different. So you're not really sure. And then you can start to, as it progresses, you're like, absolutely. And, And there's no real test for it. Well, actually, my husband was reading today that they have developed a test and it's not on the market yet. But um but you know, you're you're just kind of doing these psychological testing and and you know, you draw the conclusion that it must be dementia or some form of um Alzheimer's or dementia. Um and you know, it's evident at that point, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so probably seven to ten years she had it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if if a person's never been around someone with a form of Alzheimer's or, or dementia. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's painful to watch, you know, it's, it Mm -hmm. is, it's an Mm -hmm. interesting thing, but it's painful to watch. And, uh, you know, I I know both of my grandfathers had, uh, you know, some late life dementia, you know, where they wouldn't Mm -hmm. know someone or they, um, you know, my, my, uh, father's father was seeing people and, and things and, and just, you know, I've, I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, you know, the week before he passed, I went into his hospital room and he's like, they had all these cats running around in here last night. And I'm like, cats, what? And, wow. and I asked my dad, I'm like, you know, he said there was cats running around in the room and uh and the only reason my mind felt like it could have been true is because when i go to the va hospital they have this cat that comes into the hospital and they feed it they like literally 
So I'm like, okay, maybe <laughs> the hospital where he's at is doing the same thing with cats. I don't know. Um, but my dad's like, no, he's he's seeing things. And mm -hmm. he was seeing birds in the room and, wow. you know, talking to old friends and doing things as if he were holding real objects in his hand and things mm -hmm. like that. And it's mm -hmm. it's just so hard to watch. It really it is. is. It is because my mom was a very, um, you know, put together and, you know, you would see that like those were one of those are some of the symptoms that we saw is like she she couldn't like put outfits together and she would put on like a sweatsuit that had like a big stain on it. And that that was not her. And so you 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 want to see them, you know, you long to see them and you're seeing them disappear and you know, the hands, I think that they're very busy with their hands and she would play yes. with things and, you know, and yeah, yeah. Eat mm. things that weren't edible, you know, it just, just, and, and it would just destroy you because you're like, this is not my mom, you know, and you just long for her to return. I don't know that she ever completely forgot who I was. She never said, who were you? Thank God. Um, and I don't mean that sacrilegiously. Uh, I, you know, I think even if she couldn't have retrieved my name, I think she knew that I was her daughter. And so she would always kind of light up if she saw me. And it was so sweet. Like there at the end, she kept repeating the story about, you know, she. I think she knew it was coming. And she kept repeating a story about if, you know, if you ever need to know where all our documents and our wills and, you know, like she was worried, she wanted to make sure that we were okay. And so she kept giving me this person's name and where to find all paperwork mm. and all that. And um, I have a video of her doing that. And, and I had to tell myself, this is mom loving me. This is the way she's loving me now. And words are escaping her to, to make that intimate emotional connection that she would normally do. But this is her way that she's showing me love and care right now. So, yeah, that's that's hard to uh, that's that's hard to see. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also a blessing that she's she was trying to help you in that manner. And uh, I'll show you. And of course, everybody else is blind to this. But I've got a book right here, and I've mentioned it before on here. But it's called "I'm Dead Now What." Oh and wow. It is basically information. Oh, yes. Um, yes. It, it's like a journal and, and you know, it's who to call, what to do with the family pet. Uh, you know, here's my social security number. Here's my insurance policies. It's everything you need to know about a person before they pass. And I think it's one of the most beautiful gifts someone could hand to their children or to anyone that is left behind to take care of the estate. And, uh, but it sounds like your mom was kind of doing that in her own way. Mm -hmm. Even with Alzheimer's. Yes, she was. Yeah. That's, that's interesting that she had that thought process. So mm -hmm. like you stated, you know, maybe, uh, there were, um, moments where, where she really knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know there wasn't uh, a lot of time that passed between your mom and dad, you know, five years or less there. And, mm -hmm. uh, so tell me, tell me about the passing of your father. How was, and I know it's, that one's a little more fresh. Yes. Um, dad had, 
he was a smoker, heavy smoker most of his life, and he developed COPD. And we all actually, because of that, we thought he might pass before mom. Um, but he was strong. And he and I think partly the will to live to reconcile all of the things of the past. Like he he even said to us, you know, I'm pretty sure your mom's in heaven and I want to make sure I get there. So how do I do that? You know? Mm-hmm. And um so COPD and, you know, he was, he got COVID. God bless him. He got COVID with COPD on oxygen 24-7. This is a guy on paper you would have thought, no way, no way, on the ventilator. And he came out of the hospital. So, you know, he just kept rallying, you know, he, he got pneumonia several times and he would rally. He actually went on hospice and was taken off of hospice, went into nursing homes to build up his strength, came out, went back to assisted living. I mean, it was just like, he just kept rallying, you know, Mm -hmm. and the last time he got pneumonia, um, and, you know, it had happened so many times. We just went, okay, well, you know, they're going to do the steroids. They're going to do the antibiotics. They're going to, you know, try to get him his strength up and he'll go back to his place, you know. And it was during the time that I was transitioning from one office to another. And I got a phone call from the hospital and they said that, um, that your dad had come in. Your dad came in last night around midnight no one had told me which they normally would tell you no one told me and I had a full day scheduled you know it was pneumonia I'm thinking okay I'll go later you know basically there's not much I can do I know the kind of course of what they what they do here so I put it off until the next morning and um they had said they, you know, the doctors were making rounds at a certain time so I thought well I'll go in after the doctor makes the rounds that way they can tell me what their assessment is. Um, by the time I got there, I was walked in and I was like, this is clearly different. This is Mm. different. And, um, he was gasping for air. They call it air hunger. And, um, and he had been saying, he had been showing signs of he was, he was tired and he had been saying, you know, sometimes you just, you just want to throw your hands up and go, I'm done. I'm done. You know, and so I had seen like an erosion of his morale and he was losing weight and he just, he just was, you could just see it, you know? And so when I walked in and saw him gasping for air, I was like, wow, this is totally different than anything I've seen. And he was gone within 10, 15 minutes. He took his last breath. I think Mm. he was holding out for John and I to get there. I really Mm. do. I've seen and heard that so often it's there's this awareness and I don't know how someone can physically hang on like that, but I've seen it and heard it so many times. Mm -hmm. There's got to be something to that, but it's, it's almost like whenever the family is there, that person feels like they have permission to leave at that point. All right. right. I grabbed his hand and I said, I'm here, dad, I'm here. And, um, he did this thing where he just kind of raised his hands and that's what he used to do. He couldn't really talk. Um, but that's what he used to do when we would pray for him, when we would go see him and we would be leaving. Um, we would pray for him and we would hold his hands and he would kind of 
I don't know if he knew it, but he would kind of like just slowly, gradually raise his hands. And he did that. And then he started having like a cardiac reaction Mm. and he was gone. He was gone. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, you know, they, 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 he had a, a DNR in place. But of course, they all respond to that because the monitors are going off and within seconds, like people are flooding the room and they're looking at me. (laughs) What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And um, I I said, that's not that's not what he wanted. He didn't want that. Mm. And so I, I just had to tell him, let him go. You know, and the chaplain came in and he said, what a blessing to have been here with your father. And, you know, I was actually with both my parents when they took their last breath. And if you had told me, I just told someone this not too long. If you had told me, Hey, Christy, you're going to be standing there holding your parents' hands as they take their last breath. I would say, "Uh, not me. I can't do that. Mm. And I did it with both of them and I do, I do see it as a blessing. And as yeah. odd as that sounds, it no, was you, a blessing. You think, you know, they were there when you took your first breath and mm. you were there when they took their last. And mm. and that is just a, it is a full circle blessing that you're speaking of. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to read and, and I need to hurry up and finish this, but I'm reading a book by David Kessler, who I always say is the grief guru. He is just uh, an amazing uh, man as far as his thought process on grief. And the book I'm reading is one of his older books called Visions, Trips, and Crowded Rooms. And it's talking about what people see in those final moments. And when you're describing your father and raising his hands, it's like, what was he seeing at that moment? And if, if there's anybody listening out there that knows Nurse Hadley, <laughs> um, I want to interview this girl, but uh, she's a hospice nurse. And I do have a hospice nurse coming on here, um, here in a couple of weeks. And she's going to be specifically talking about what she has witnessed and, mm-hmm. and seen in those final moments. Um, so anyway, I I, I'm really excited to talk <clears throat> about that because I think there is this... Mm-hmm. Um, thing where I I call it where heaven and earth collide, you know, Mm -hmm. especially for believers, what are they seeing in those last moments? And, uh, you know, one other thing I wanted to talk about is when you talked about your father trying to, um, I guess be a better man in those final years after your mom passed, Mm -hmm. it reminds me of the, uh, J Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers song called last kiss. And, And the lyrics are, Oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. She's going to heaven, so I've got to be good so I can see my baby when I leave this world. I know Pearl Jam, for anybody that grew up in the 80s and 90s, um, definitely the 90s, Pearl Jam redid that song. But but that's that's what popped up in my head whenever you're, you're talking about your father, just kind of trying to repair maybe the thoughts of the man that, w- that he was so that mm-hmm. he could see your mom again. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think that's, that's cool. It is cool. It, it is, is cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it plagued him, you know, and, and I think he came from, he had kind of a skewed, more kind of legalistic understanding of faith. And, and he would say, well, what, what if, 
what if there's something that I've forgotten and I haven't asked God to forgive me? And I'm like, God, mm. I said, God hears you saying that right now. And he knows that the heart, your heart is to be thorough and ask him for forgiveness for every offense that you have done. And I said, so you're good. I mean, I, I can't quote scripture to back that up, but <laughs> you know, but I, my, my belief is that if, if you are saying it is my heart to repent and ask you for forgiveness, God, for everything that I've done. And I'm like laying awake at night, kind of doing inventory with all the things that I need to ask forgiveness for. What if I forget? He gets it. He gets it. He understands that. You know, I told someone, and it may have been on the very last podcast, and I believe it was, um, that if if I'm trying to get to heaven on my good works alone, I will fail. I will not be there because of that. And it has taken me a a long time in my faith to get to that point. And because mm -hmm. I grew up in what I consider a legalistic church, and even last night I had a dream. Honest to goodness, I'm not making this up. Mm. I, I'm very vivid with my dreams. But I was in my old church, and I was upset that people had been leaving to go to this church of faith. Um, you know, and it seemed like it was across the street and it wasn't that I was upset they were leaving. It was upset that I was, I guess, not in that church as well. And it's, you know, you're talking about legalistic versus faith and, uh, that can hang a lot of people up. And, and I know we're not, uh, this isn't, you know, specifically a Bible podcast here, but right. I, while we're there, you know, Hey, we're two or more gathered, you know, we're in church, right? So mm -hmm. not go there. But mm -hmm. I, I do feel for your father in the fact that that he had that legalistic battle. I feel it in my soul for him because mm -hmm. I struggle with that myself. And just mm -hmm. wanting to go back to those legalistic ways, but that's not what the Bible says. When you start reading the pages, it is truly about faith in Jesus Christ. Um, mm -hmm. But what I take away from your story is the love your father must have had for your mother, for him mm. to say, I've got to do something different. I want to make sure that I've done everything so I can see her as well. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, she was, she was the center of his universe. You know, she was mm. his world, his reason for doing all the things that he did. And, um, you know, they had some, pretty major bumps in the road and um and they they recovered and how many um, years were they married uh, i was afraid you were gonna ask me <laughs> to do math. let me let me um, hit pause on this podcast exactly <laughs> math and i are not great friends um ooh, so my sister is 62 and mom's been she passed away how long ago you said five years? So five from 12 is, oh, they were fifth. Um, five from 12 would be 57, 57. Is that right? Okay. I'll trust you. I wasn't doing the math with you there, but long time, uh, a long, long time. time. There you go. Long time. Yeah, longer than you decades. and I have been alive. Right. Right. So. Yeah. So no, no, no. I don't know. I can't do the math right now. My brain's not. No worries. So well, let me transition. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, you know, it, he, he was very devoted to her and, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. 
Let me transition a little bit over to um, maybe your grief journey as well as professional life. We can intertwine the two. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you see the loss of especially two people that you love dearly, how does that affect, I guess, your own thoughts about uh, maybe the passage of time? Like what's that? Has that changed in your thought process? I mean, obviously we're not here forever. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. What's your perception of, you know, time? Wow. My perception of time. Mm. I actually mm. posted a picture today on uh, the Grief Observed Facebook page, and that's not mm-hmm. a selfless plug, but maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's this picture of this old man in the mirror and a little mm. boy standing in front of it. Yes. And, uh, I forget exactly what it says, but basically the concept is that it's a quick trip. It is. And yeah. here I am. I'm not too far away. I'm about a year and a half out from 50. And I used to think 50 was ancient. And I know. Now it's just like, well, I really do want to know, like, where did my, especially my 30s and, mm-hmm. and most of my 40s, where did they go? Mm-hmm. And of course, I don't think that I started aging or at least perceiving time until I had my own daughter. And then Mm. it was like, now I've got that, uh, that marker that shows that I am getting old. Cause I can Mm -hmm. tell you what my daughter was doing in third grade, what she was doing in seventh grade, you know, her senior year. And now she's married and I walked her down the aisle and it's like, Mm. I see myself aging. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the movies that I, I really enjoyed and it's been years ago and I cried like a baby in the movie theater was Marley and me. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, if you don't want to watch a movie about a passing animal, do not watch the movie. That's right. Right. my warning. Right. Um, but I don't think the movie was about the dog at all. Mm-hmm. I think the movie was like the dog was the thing in the background mm-hmm. and it was kind of the marker for watching these people age you know, and, and you could see their life progress and it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's almost nauseating just knowing how quickly life passes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, I heard once that, um, you know, we'll, we'll say that like the older I get, the the day seems to be going by faster and faster or the weeks even go by faster and faster and how that phenomenon kind of takes place. And, Mm -hmm. and I heard someone explain that and they said, you know, you look at the, the ratio of how long you've been alive and, and it does like your comparison when you're three years old to when you're 53 years old, is is vastly different so it does seem to go by faster and faster but um i think that <clears throat> you know when we're kids i can't remember having summer days that just drug on and i'd be bored and i'd say mom i'm bored what do i do you know and the day drug on but now i think um the word intentionality comes to mind because it's like okay once you get to a certain age you know you've you've possibly achieved things you've accomplished things you've lost things and and you're like okay i'm on the back side of this you know yes so what do i want to do with it like what do i want to do with the rest of it what meaning do i want to make what purpose do i think i was put here on this earth for and if i haven't realized it yet 
I need to start. And so intentionality, you know, comes to mind. It's like, there's, it's, there's something so much bigger than us, you know, and this life is, you know, they say fleeting. And so while I'm here, I want to make a difference and I want to be intentional with my time and not, not waste it, you know? Yeah. I, I look at kids today and, you know, when you're talking about callings, I don't think I found my calling till my early forties for sure. Um, I guess I was working towards my counseling degree, but, um, but I didn't know that my, my life had been laid out before me a long time ago. I just wasn't awake to see it. Mm. But now when I look at kids, I sit there and think, my goodness, they've got so much calling for their attention. And, and mm. I'll just assume we're close in age. You don't have to tell me your age, Christy, but, um, you and I grew up with mud boxes and sticks, right? That's what we had to entertain us. Sure did. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, there there's iPads, iPhones, computers, Netflix, you know, all these things screaming for kids attention. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. if the wake up uh, calls for them are going to be a lot longer than it was for you and I to figure out mm. what is your calling? What's the meaning of life? You know, are you making every day count? Just like you said, being intentional. I think our world's going to be in a mess, honestly. Yeah, I don't it, think there's many young people that can can receive that wake-up call. Right. I heard recently that they have a resurgence of the flip phone, believe it or not. And I think that that's because some people are starting to realize um, that there's a cost associated with having the world at your fingertips and having this exposure that can be worldwide and um, just addicting. It's addicting. Yes. Let's be real. Even with you and I growing up with sticks and mud and all that, I, I find myself grabbing this stupid thing for no reason. And, sure. um, you know, so I just this just this uh past couple of weeks our church does every first of the year they do a fasting of some sort and i try to fast for the first couple of hours from social media so i can devote that time to devotion and and really try to stay focused um and and again it's about intentionality but i think that um you know we have to educate we have to say you know what there is a beautiful world out there that just sitting in nature and letting our minds wander, wander, W-O and W-A, um, just it, it, it comes with such benefit physically, emotionally, spiritually. And we really have to incorporate some of that back into our rhythms and our practices because, yeah, ADHD, anxiety, depression, you know, you know, it's all increasing. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a great segue into something that uh, you and I had been discussing in the background. And, you know, I want to talk about self-care, especially with your knowledge in therapy. And, uh, you know, you, you just mentioned it right there. Let's get back out into the world, get out of our homes, get away from the phones, put our feet in the grass. Right. And, yeah. Um, you know, we had talked about grounding just a bit on on the outside, and it's it's something that I'm really, really interested in and finding just all kinds of empirical evidence that literally, you know, touching the ground with your bare skin 
changes the healing properties of your body. Um, it changes anxiety. It changes pain levels. Um, I, I, I've got it in the show description notes just about every episode now about um, these grounding mats that you can use inside your home for those winter months when you can't get outside. But I would encourage everyone, I mean, it's it's a great way, I guess, in, in these cold days, but get outside. I mean, today we're blessed with this day. We're almost 60 degrees in Tennessee right after we just had six inches of snow get outside, breathe the air, you know, mm-hmm. um, use mindfulness that that's yes. something that we don't do enough, especially it's like when you're going through grief, your mind is so clouded. You're mm-hmm. you've got tunnel vision and mm-hmm. it's you're really in survival mode. Absolutely. In survival mode. So to, to take, you know, that mindfulness and, and say, Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to use your word here, being, be, uh, excuse me, being intentional with mm-hmm. my breathing, just breathe. What's it feel like for this breath to be in and out of my lungs? What is it, you know, to look at these birds and, you know, the sky and, and whatever? What is it that, you know, that it feels like just to sit here on the ground and just feel certain things with my hands or my feet? Like, those things state I am alive. And I think it's kind of a reminder that although someone that we love has passed, I'm still alive. I still have that calling. I still have things to do here on earth. And I think it's a a great reminder for people going through grief to just be, you know, as opposed to doing, doing, doing. And that's what our Mm -hmm. world wants that, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like the enemy wants to keep us busy. I've heard recently uh, from a pastor, he stated, Satan doesn't care how hard you're working Mm -hmm. or how much you're working. He just wants to interrupt your rest. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, wow, that's, that is, yeah, that preaches right there. Right. So, and he's successful at it. He yes. is so successful. So, you know? Christy, I want to push this back on you a little bit and just tell okay. me, what are some self-care tips that you found helpful in your grief and maybe mm. uh, help your clients when they're in grief and, and maybe that you can share here with the listeners? Mm. So, um, self-awareness is huge. Knowing yourself and, you know, I think partly in my grief and just, just, you know, being a counselor and being more self-aware, I, I know that I have a habit of storing stress in my body. So I make it a regular practice to go and um, get massage and fascinating. I, when my mom passed, um, I had been doing some acupuncture and, um, I wanted to make sure that I found somebody that wasn't practicing Eastern and religion type stuff. So um, I, I found someone and and felt comfortable with her. And um, she, I had not gone for a while because mom had passed and I was taking care of all the details. But I started having these migraine headaches. And um, I went to her after about four or six weeks I had been gone. And um, she said, where have you been? Well, and I, she said, I haven't seen you in a while. And I said, my mom passed away and, and I said, she said, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I said, yeah, and I've had these headaches almost daily for about four to six weeks. Mm. And 
um, she said, well, let's take care of that. Let's see what we can do. And she asked me um, to go lay face down. And um, I, I, so I couldn't see what was, she was doing in the room. And I heard a sound. I thought she was doing like those singing bowls. Yes. I heard the sound. I was like, what is she doing? And um, all of a sudden I saw this, um, this image of Jesus um, and he was kneeling down and he was intensely giving me this healing light and this healing love. And it was powerful. And um, I, I don't, I can't say that I walked away and it was like instantly broken, but that broke. And as I left, it continually lessened. And the next time I went back to her, I said, what did you do? Did you have some of those singing bowls? And she said, no, I don't have anything like that. And I said, what, what did you, what were you doing right before you did the, the um, acupuncture? Oh, and I want to tell you something else she, that happened. And she said, um, I was just praying. I was praying for you. And, wow. And then as she was doing the procedure, she hit a couple of spots in my back. And when she put the needles in those spots, I felt the intensity of the headache pain increase. And I asked her, I said, oh my gosh, what, what are you doing right now? And she said, well, that's your lungs and your heart. And those are your grief places. Those are your grief centers, the grief spots. And I said, hmm, okay, that makes sense. And she said, I said, well, it's triggered the headache pain and intensified it when you hit those spots. And she said, that's interesting. She said, I want to ask you, are you in your head about what's in your heart? And I said, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> but that that body work, that practice of getting the blood flowing, you know, because, again, we're in survival survivor mode, you know, and God bless them. My, my sister and my dad go, you're so great at making these decisions. You make the decisions, you know, so mm. all of it kind of fell to me. And, you know, I had to put the the the. Um, funeral in order. I had to, you know, address all these things. I didn't really have time. I didn't have the luxury to really grieve. I had to just put my head down and do the tasks at hand. So being attentive to my body when I did get a chance, I think helped me. And, and I, I will say, Brad, since mom passed away, you know, everybody said, you and your mom are so close. You're going to feel her. You're going to hear her. And I kept looking for that. I longed for that and I didn't feel it. And so I started watching, not obsessively, but I am still to this day am watching videos on YouTube of people who have died and gone to heaven and come back or people who have these heaven encounters that may not have left uh, clinically died just to feel like I know where she is and feel like I, I, I'm connected to her in sort of a way, you know, mm, but that's yeah. given me peace. That's given me comfort and it's given me peace. You know, did you see uh, that movie recently? I don't know if it's after death or after life. I, it was the, the Christian film company that put it out. Did you see that? I don't think so. Mm -mm. I forget who it is. It's uh, the same people that, that uh, put out Sound of Freedom. Let me see who that... Uh, let's see here. Who was that group? 
Um, I think it's the movie's called After Death. It's Angel Studios. Okay, I've got okay. that part. <laughs> um, let's see. Was yeah, it it's called in... After was... Death, and mm -hmm. it was uh, released last year, towards the end of the year, and it's it's about some of those same experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, what mm -hmm. do people see? And, of course, there's uh, people, I think, that shared um, good things, like, hey, they saw, mm -hmm. you know, something heavenly and came mm -hmm. back, and then there's some people It's like, what I saw was not good, and I came <laughs> right. back, and it's like, well, I bet those people are going to change their life real oh, yeah. quick. Mm -hmm. Um but it kind of leans into, you know, what I was talking about earlier with the hospice nurse, uh, Nurse Hadley, and some of the things mm -hmm. that she speaks about. It's it's absolutely amazing. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I've always had this interest in the afterlife. And uh, it, it's just, Me too. I don't know if it's the mystery of it. Um, I hope what I'm about to share now does not... Um, People don't check out on my podcast, mm -hmm. but I'll tell you, uh, many, many years ago, um, I was watching the show uh, Ghost Hunters, and, mm -hmm. you know, they came across something where this thing said one of the guy's names, and and I'm like, oh, that's garbage. That, that can't happen. So I went out seeking, I guess, to prove that it couldn't happen, and so I'll, I'll just say, and and... From a Christian standpoint, I've I've asked for forgiveness for all this stuff. So. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of went out looking, I guess, doing my own ghost hunting, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and I I did get recordings of other things that were there that I could not hear when I was speaking. And wow. the reason I tell you this is because I state if I were not a believer... Mm -hmm. At that point in life, I would have quickly turned the corner and said, there's something out there we don't see, mm -hmm. and it is real. Mm -hmm. um, and again, my my older sister, um, she she basically said, you know, uh, you may want to read the Bible on what you're doing, and, and I don't think you should be doing that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I found some things in there that says I, I shouldn't be out here doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I do believe there is a a real thing on the other side and of course i'm a believer and i know that uh heaven is real mm -hmm. but i feel like um if people could see that other side or you know that um of course then it leans into the fact that you no longer have to have faith right mm. if you're seeing something then and we know that faith is um the biggest part of, of believing in Jesus, you know, you and mm -hmm. I, I've, I've never had a conversation with him personally. So I have to have that faith that he is real, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my, my point is, I believe there is another side. Me the too. caution, I guess I throw out mm -hmm. to a lot of people is, you know, there's been a lot of stories and a lot of books written about those afterlife experiences. Some of them have, uh, I know there are some writers that came back. I, I know there was one of those little boys. I don't think it was the heaven is for real kid, but it was one of those around the same time where those books were really getting popular. 
And the kid came back later and said, you know, I fabricated that story. And then there were bookstores, uh, I think Lifeway at the time started pulling all those books Mm. from the shelves because it's like, how do we, Mm. how do we determine what is real and what's not Mm -hmm. real when it Mm -hmm. comes to these afterlife, after death stories, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, I think, you know, um, scripture accounts for the supernatural. Oh, absolutely. You know, so whether or not we can prove or disprove that these stories are real, the supernatural is real. And, um, you know, mom was in hospice and I saw her reaching for things up in the corners of the room. And um, I, I do believe that we can have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth when we're near passing. And yes, you know, I don't think that I would love to hear the interviews with the hospice nurse because I've heard story. And that was another thing. I started buying books um, about accounts of people that were in hospice that had shared that they had seen loved ones or they had seen Jesus or they had seen the light in the tunnel and, you know, and they, and the hospice nurses would tell. And, and a lot of these, um, these videos that, that I've been watching are also like scientists. We're talking doctors who only operate in that, that, that which you can prove who have had their own personal near death experiences and say, you know, I'm telling you now from my own personal, I was one of those guys who said it can't be, it's, it's, you know, your body deprived of oxygen or it's drugs or whatever. And he, and they would say, and this is, I'm telling you that this is what happened to me and I never would have believed it myself. So, mm. you know, I, I, we can't deny that there's culture across cultures across the globe, account after account um, will tell very, very similar stories. So there's something to it. Yeah. So the uh, hospice nurse that I've got coming on, her name is Danny and she'll be on February 8th. So just right around the corner, um, just a couple of weeks from now. And, and I'll, I'll look forward to her stories. Um, I just, I don't know. It is really interesting. And, and I, I long to know more about it. I, I read a book years ago after I got out of that whole ghost hunting thing, which was very short lived. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I still have a, a very strong interest in the afterlife, mm-hmm. but I want to know more about it from God's side. And, sure. So I started looking into angels and I found Mm -hmm. a really, really, really good book from Dr. David Jeremiah, and it's just entitled Angels, and there may be a subtitle to it, but he looks at angels from a biblical perspective, and it is just phenomenal. And uh, of course, I've got a book coming from Greg Laurie about heaven, and uh, I've not I don't know much about it as a brand new book. And then my wife has read the heaven book from Randy Alcorn. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's so many books about there, you know, or out there that's um, okay. Let's go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about what we have to look forward to? Mm-hmm. And of course I feel like the Bible describes heaven as uh, you know, things that we can understand, you know, is it uh you know, telling us exactly what we'll see. Will there be streets of gold? Maybe there is, you know, that's what it states. And and we can say, okay, that it should be factual. Or is it telling us, you know, 
this is the best that your human finite mind can understand. Right. I don't, but I right. do believe when you state, you know, you can have one foot here and one foot there um, in those last moments. We've seen it too often to discount it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. It'll be interesting to see what your um, hospice nurse shares. Yeah. Yeah. So. so like what has your going through your personal losses, has your concept of faith um, shifted at all? Good or mm -hmm. bad? Like, did you mm -hmm. go through moments in the loss where it, your faith was shaken or did it become stronger? I think, um, you know, I shared that I had gone through divorce and, and Jesus was very present with me through that painful process. And um, so he had started kind of, I'm, I'm a visual person and I really felt like he was kind of healing me through giving me these visuals of his presence with me. And so that's kind of sustained me and, you know, things that I've gone through trials that I've gone through, um, where it, you know, this sounds really obnoxious, but like where I've, tested is God trustworthy you know is can, sure. is he gonna walk me through this like I, I hate to say that but you know you're like is he gonna is he really gonna not abandon me is he really not going to forsake me and once you know you you see those things stack up and you say you know he didn't abandon me then like it felt like it but he really didn't now I see it you know and so the more of those experiences you have it's like it increases your faith because you're like, he was with me then. He was with me in the next trial. He was with me in the one after that, mm. you know, from from each of those. I think, you know, it, it was painful with the loss of mom and dad and and then my dog. But um, it's like, God, please, don't, like, please give me some space in between my dad and the dog because I didn't know they were kind of like, oh, mm. but, um, you know. It just, it just makes me know that he is with me. He has purpose. I don't have the answers. Um, someday I'll get the answers, but he is trustworthy and he will faithfully walk me through these painful journeys. And so I would say that it has strengthened my faith, um, but it's still painful. Yeah. yeah. It's still hard. It's still things that, you know, you don't want to do. Yeah. So it's that both and, you know. Christy, I, I thank you for being here, but I certainly want to give you the floor. Anything that uh, you think we have missed or anything else you want to say about your mom or dad or just grief, mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. You know, I think um, that grief teaches us that we can do hard things and that we are resilient and as painful as it is, and we don't need to apologize for our questions or our tears or our sadness, but as hard as those things are, they do teach us about, about our resilience. And so there's power in that and um, we can do them. We can do those hard things, you know, and so I think that if anybody is facing a journey of um, impending anticipatory grief, that 
to remind themselves that I can have weak moments. I can have sad moments. I can have um, these days that just seem like they're never going to end. And I will get on the other side at some point. Yeah. And, and, and it will be, I'll be okay. You know? Do you want people to be able to connect with you if they've connected with your story as far as sure. email or, okay. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll just get it at the end and, and put it in the show notes, okay. but I'll, I'll have Christy's email in the show description. And if you've connected with her, her story, uh, feel free to reach out to her. Um, thanks again, everyone for being here on the grief observed podcast. Uh, I hope you come back next time and don't judge me for the uh, <laughs> ghost, ghost hunting, yeah. <laughs> ghost busting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll I'll leave that up to uh, Hollywood. So, um, <laughs> but no, I I I do hope that people realize that it's it's good to have humor and laugh about things too. And and I always want to bring that to this podcast because grief can be a very serious thing. And uh, I, I'm glad that we can laugh about you know ghost busting or whatever it is today, but. Um, but I, I really appreciate, uh, Christy, I, I appreciate your knowledge. Uh, I, I appreciate you as a therapist and your love for people. And, and I know that your losses, uh, truly are uh, something that, that you can bring to the counseling field and, and really just breathe life into other people. So thank you for that. And thank you all for listening to this, uh, edition of the grief podcast and i hope you join us again next time have a great day everybody